0: Smyrna and online at wgnsradio.com hip hip hooray
1: let's give a cheer it's 9 a.m the signal's clear our favorite host is in the chair the Truman Show
2: Good morning, Rutherford County. I have my old buddy Bill Kennedy on, and uh, Bill, it's a, it's it's kind of interesting that they just had a shooting in Michigan at one of the schools, and um, I, I didn't hear much of it other than uh, the uh, uh, officials. I think it was the sheriff there uh, was uh, saying that. Um the officers, the SROs responded very well. They went directly to the shooter. Yeah. and uh, and and that's pretty much the way that you taught our SROs to respond to because the biggest thing is you have to protect the the kids. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a lot of them were trained. The students were trained how to respond to those particular, uh catastrophic events that occur when those type things happen so um i was glad to see that the sro's are responding correctly and i i was uh of course sad that they lost three of the young people and um, some others were injured i i believe but uh um uh, the SROs, when, when they are educated correctly on how to, to deal with all those events, it makes a major difference in, in our schools, doesn't it? It,
1: it sure does, Chairman. It, it's just another sad day in America. that uh, yeah. We've lost three students and eight injured in Michigan. That, you know, that just breaks my heart that uh, a um, sophomore felt like he had to take a semi-automatic pistol into a school and do harm to others. It just breaks my heart to, to to hear that and to see that. And but to the credit of the law enforcement um, and to the credit to the teachers and administrators and students, mm-hmm. they followed all the protocol that they uh, that they that they were taught prior to this event. And uh, I would say they saved a lot of lives. Yeah. Um, you know the teachers locked down. Uh, they barricaded the uh, doors. St- and there's reports right now i just read a report where students grabbed scissors and jumped out of windows to to flee and that's what we taught uh was hide flight or fight yeah and uh you you know the first thing you want to do is not get into confrontation with a armed subject you hide you Mm -hmm. try to find a place and location that you can barricade yourself in and so that that person can't get to you and if you can't do that you you run you run as far and fast as you can away from the situation we'll find you later um you know there's our you know what we did was we told our students that there are predestined places that you are to run to and try to get to so that we can come find you later Mm -hmm. and that way you protect yourself and and save yourself And and if at all costs don't don't become a victim yeah fight back um and and in this report they were saying the students were grabbing scissors and and prepared to fight um, somebody who were to come through a door or to try to hurt them or, or get to them. Yeah. And that's, you know, that was what we tried to uh, get get over to our students and to our faculty is they do not become a victim. Yeah. And we can give you so many examples, you know, um, what happened in, at Virginia Tech and what happened in Cincinnati um, where people did just hide and they became victims. You know, mm-hmm. what happened in Columbine. Yeah. And, you know, because of what happened in Columbine, everybody's tactics changed. You yeah. know, instead of sitting back and waiting for SWAT, you go direct a threat. You know, if you're just one officer, you're one officer against, I don't care if it's two, three, four, five uh, individuals that are taking over a school. You go direct a threat and you protect those kids. Yeah. Unlike, unlike what happened in Florida with the, the, the coward Scott Peterson, the deputy who, who has been, who's being prosecuted for, uh, for cowardice. Um, these officers went direct to threat and stopped the threat. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, that speaks volumes to their training. That speaks volumes to, you know, how serious they took what happened or what what, what could happen at a school. Yeah. So and I, and I believe that in Rutherford County as well. The sheriff's office here has, has all the tools necessary um, to to educate, teach, and make sure that our kids are safe in a similar situation or scenario
2: yeah and in um uh, and doing things the correct way and not much really changes being an sro in a, a school you respond pretty much the way all law enforcement officers are trained to respond to um, protect the public whether it's in a school or a city because basically schools um, I mean, they, they have our greatest resources, the, our young people, uh, to protect. But it, it's, it, it's, it's almost a similar type situation, protecting the kids. And you want to have information prior to one of those events happening. And we've, we've seen it here, and we've seen it across the country. If you have a relationship with uh, the teachers, the principal, and the kids – you're going to get information a lot of times prior to these particular events happening.
1: Oh yeah and that was part of our triad approach to being a school resource officer one of them being a a friend and counselor to all faculty members and students and parents and I, I can't it, it's an unknown amount of times that we were notified of events happening whether it be a drug event or a fight event or a gun event we were we were notified many times prior to the event happening most times young people kids will reach out either for help and or for recognition as to what they're trying to do Mm -hmm. and they will put something on social media or they'll put or they'll tell a friend and it's our you know it's our job to make sure that those kids know that they can come forward and tell somebody that something's yeah. about to happen. And because, and we, and we would go into the classroom and we would talk to kids. We would uh, teach classes on, you know, how to, how to tell somebody that something's about to happen. You know, if mm-hmm. you don't want, if you don't want to be known that it was you, you do it anonymous, anonymous, anonymously.
2: And so that's easy for you to say.
1: Yeah. It came out a little rough right there, <laughs> but well, uh,
2: you're from Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, that Pennsylvania (laughs) accent kind of gets me sometimes. Yeah, but
2: you did did a wonderful job uh, educating, teaching, and went through the entire learning process with all the SROs, which I think made a major difference. And I don't remember a school that had a uh, problem uh with the relationship with the kids because uh once they feel confident in, in the officer that's in the school or officers um they're go- they're going to respond to them because um you know in this day and time uh when we first started there had been no incidents like that and then columbine happened and uh and that's when everybody started to look for some way to protect the kids. And, and uh, uh, I think most of the SROs were with sheriff's departments, if I remember. Of course, we were the first one that had it in Tennessee. But uh, some of the other places that we responded to and went to for to see exactly what they were doing, um, it made a major difference for us because— if you remember right, some of the uh, people that were on the county commission, they didn't want them, and they and they sure didn't want an officer with a gun on mm-hmm. his side. That's right. Which uh, was totally uh, foreign to us as how in the world are you going to be able to protect the kids without a weapon? That's right. But now uh, it's we uh, hopefully everybody can see that. Having law enforcement officers in in situations where they can protect the people that they work for is a big, big uh, uh, deterrent.
1: Well, Truman, I, I really believe that leadership, you got to have foresight. And um, you had the foresight to see that problems were arising in our schools
2: yeah we were having
1: complaints teachers principals uh parents were coming Mm -hmm. to you saying we got to do something we were having riots at at our schools during pep rallies literally riots yeah and um and then i was prior to school resource officers and of course you know you you did you 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 said well let's seek out the best information from around the country and you took a trip down to sarasota florida and you saw what they were doing and then you brought it back and enhanced what they were doing here and uh you know I, i just like you said the county commission was like well I, I don't not all of them but there was a couple who was like no they're not going to wear guns were, like, oh, we're going to wear guns how can we protect the population of a school yeah. without our tools yeah. well, that's you know it's that's, that's part of our tool belt and uh, in, in in convincing fashion we were able to go in there and i think change the the atmosphere of the school change the attitudes of, of I would say the school the, the kids in the school saw law enforcement as the enemy that we mm-hmm. it was us against them we went in there and said no it's we're all we're all on the same team we're yeah. all trying to do the exact same thing we're trying to hear we're here to protect you uh, we're the bully busters if you have problems you come to us we're gonna solve those problems one way or the other if we can't find the pro, if we can't find a solution ourselves we'll go find somebody to solve your problem for you and that really broke down the barriers between us and kids and yeah. and that and I can remember in 1998 prior to Columbine we had 65 weapons that we confiscated in schools and the very next year we had only 3. Yeah. So that that was a huge jump for us t- to Break down those barriers to let the kids know we don't bring we don't bring weapons to school. Number one, yeah. and if you find out that if somebody has a weapon in school, you come to us. And you know we that that cracked down that year. We had six, in 1998 we had 65 weapons. The very next year three, and then I think the very next year we had like four. And then and then that trend was there until of course 2010. And I don't know what that what that that number is now but up until 2010 we would only have three or four weapons that we would find in
2: schools and uh we found them because the kids trusted us that's right that's right
1: and 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 uh, and to the school resource officers credits they would go into classrooms and they would teach (laughs) why you don't bring weapons to school you know whether you think it's for your safety or not that's not the reason why you come to us we'll help we're here to protect you those those Mm -hmm. teachers are here to protect you those administrators are here to protect you and uh, I think that was a big part of
2: it. And and not just that, but the pecking order mm-hmm. changed with the it SROs did. because the the rough kids uh, they they were pretty much bullying, you know, the mm-hmm. the regular kids. And uh, um, once they saw you, you were the first one to have a um, situation where. Kids were getting into fights and things like that, and uh, you managed that pretty easily. Uh, so, uh, and the kids, they ran to their classroom and saw as soon as they saw it, and your relationship with the kids got even better because they were comfortable telling you uh, who the the kids were that were bullying, and, and uh, um, it made the school a whole lot. Nicer to go to mm. for all the kids, and the, the learning process was better. Uh, over the last few years, though, they're passing um, uh, kind of judgments on um, who, what is happening in the school itself, as far as how the SROs are are responding, and uh, they don't give them all of the um, uh, attention as what they need to take care of situations uh, in the schools and in the classroom. And it makes it a whole lot more difficult not only for the officers in the school but also the teachers and the principals and all of those things that go along with Mm -hmm. it. You have to have discipline, and it seems like it's – taking a lot of discipline away from all of those uh, leaders in the schools, and uh, the kids are not as uh, wary or afraid uh, uh, of the, what do you call it, the ne'er-do-wells, you might yeah, say. The consequences that could come from it, you're right. Yeah,
1: yeah you're right. Uh, you know, we we always told our school resource officers and that the very last thing you want to do is to make an arrest. Yeah. That's, that's the last Event. And if you make an arrest, I always felt myself, if I made an arrest, I failed. I have failed these students. I have failed but the school. But sometimes you don't have a choice. But you don't have a choice to protect the school and to, prote- and to protect the, 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 the kids from either themselves or others. Yeah. So, yeah, I felt like I, like I failed that child. But because I had to make an arrest, it was understood that this individual did something so bad and so egregious that an arrest had to be made. And mm-hmm. and they had to be dealt with with the juvenile justice system, and mm-hmm. you know it's and the juvenile justice system is not put out there to punish; it's there to to uh, change their attitudes and mm-hmm. uh, and to recondition them. And so, but if you did not make that arrest, if you did not solve that problem for the school, mm-hmm. then it just would mushroom; it yeah. would it would be out of control because then we would have those same problems every single day. And that's kind of what's happening now is that. You've kind of taken a, a lot of that um, resource away from those officers or those administrators. And that's what's going to happen. It's going to mushroom, and then the school's going to be out of control again. So
2: And a lot of that, as you well know, comes from parents who do not discipline their kids. And anytime something happens where a discipline has to be taken care of in the school system, they complain mm-hmm. it, it, it it's um, I don't I don't know how in the world uh, they get information on how to raise kids it doesn't I remember having uh, a man and a woman that uh, mom and dad came in my office and they brought their kid and he was just totally out of control and when I saw what was happening I said I'll be glad to leave the the, uh, this office if you want to take care of him and oh no 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 we don't discipline i said there's your problem mm-hmm. i said this is not one of those things that that uh should be hard to deal with mm-hmm. you've got a kid and i was looking at him totally out of control and then he started curling up in his chair and, and everything else like that how in the world can you be a parent uh that um, is going to have a kid that's going to turn out in a positive way if, if you don't teach them all the right things.
1: Oh, well, I agree. And, and the earlier, the better, because what happens is you're like, you said that all of a sudden the child is 15 and yeah. has never had consequences in yeah. his or her life. And all of a sudden, and they're going to push the boundaries as far as they can take them. Yeah. It doesn't matter what, where they're from or, or what their parents are doing. And if you haven't started disciplining or, or correcting behavior early, um, by the time they turn 15 16 years old they're out of control and there's not there's no coming back from that yeah. <laughs> you know and then and then all and then everybody's just waiting for them to turn 18 for them to either make a decision to leave or finally say to themselves hey uh, you know now it's time for me to straighten up and that's a hard that's a hard road to toe um, and I, I tell the story of when I was a when I was in Lebanon as a patrol officer we would we would respond to many, many calls of unruly children mm-hmm. that parents just can't control. And we would be back there every week doing the same thing, trying to convince the child to behave. And that's really not a law enforcement officer's duties and responsibilities, it's particularly a road officer, um, mm-hmm. whose you know, duties and responsibilities are completely different. But we would be called numerous times to the same residents, to the same parents who were just trying to get their kids out of control. And if they had started correcting them and disciplining them at an early age, a lot of that would not have happened. I agree hundred percent.
2: Yeah. And we're living in an era right now where, uh, in the media, everybody tries to protect the kids when they do something wrong. Oh yeah, but they did something wrong, but they shouldn't be punished like an adult is punished or anything like that. You see it every day out there. in. uh, i i've I've lived too long. I cannot believe that the world has gotten the way it is right now, where they can't see the things that are so obvious i mean it, it's just like that um, i I just don't understand it and and uh if you look back thirty years ago forty years ago, we didn't have these problems that's going on in this country right now and um uh, Sometimes I think that when people get married, they should have an education process on how to deal with children, because most of them my kid never does anything wrong. Uh, it's all right for him to go out and rob a bank or whatever, shoot somebody, but uh, um, he's my kid or she's my kid, and, and uh, I'm going to protect him no matter what. It's unbelievable. <laughs>
1: You know there's a there was a study that was put out by kaplan and um they were saying that statistically and there was a point in history in american history where the it's it went from being the worst thing that happened in schools was chewing gum and maybe a foul word to now you know we have literally Shootings and murder and rape and everything else that are happening in our schools and at what point did the history did that change? Well, it was in 1963. Do you know what happened in
2: 1963? Uh, let me think. Let's see. When was uh, Kennedy elected? Mm-hmm. Well that,
1: that's that was when Kennedy died but there was something else in 1960, oh, Yeah he
2: was elected in 61.
1: Yeah, that's when he was in 63 is when he was in Dallas and, yeah. and he was assassinated. But in 1963 they they took prayer out of school. And I'm not advocating right. putting prayer back in school and or 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 I'm not I'm not against or for first amendment rights in schools or what have you. I'm that's not that's not my point. My, my point is but in 1963
2: they took prayer out of school and that's when uh, but that's when all the protesting was going on in the 60s. That's when all that started. Yeah. But what I'm
1: saying is morals and values in homes changed yeah. in 1963. And, I, and I'm, 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 I'm not saying any one person or God that you should be praying to. I, mm-hmm. I'm not advocating anything like that. All I'm saying is, is that morals and values changed in 1963 is because people went away from teaching their kids about morals and values and being a good citizen and... At this point, now they're saying, uh, in 1963, none of that's happening. Yeah. We're parents aren't teaching kids uh, morals and values that they should be teaching uh, in the home.
2: Yeah, let's take a quick break, don't you know, they? Okay? Sure. Okay.
0: From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.
2: Hi, my name is Patrick Garland, and I love living here at Adams Place. Because ever since I came here, I feel I'm part of a new family. The people here are fantastic, the employees as well as the residents. I'm meeting so many wonderful people and I just enjoy every single day. I do a lot of reading, I do a lot of writing, research. I have invited my friends to come to Adams Place to visit and see what it offers. Del Wombley here.
1: The first thing you're going to have to learn is until you stop expecting the politicians or anyone else to change your life, your life isn't going to change. The only person who can change your life is you, but you need to know how. Turn off the pundits and turn on the passive income. Tune in to the Dell Walmsley
3: Radio Show.
1: Listen to my show, The Dell Walmsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins.
3: Catch the Dell Walmsley Radio Show, Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, here on News Radio, WGNS.
1: Bell Jewelers has been in business for over 142 years. This is Lisa Halliburton at Bell Jewelers. There's nothing like the sparkle of a Bell Jewelers
3: diamond. And we have a wonderful selection of loose diamonds as well as mounted settings that you can create the ring of your dreams. We have hundreds of mountings to choose from. Bell Jewelers, 821 Northwest Broad Street, right across from Toots Restaurant.
0: WGNS is growing to better serve North Rutherford County. If you're in Smyrna, you can listen now to
3: WGNS on FM 100.5. If you're in Murfreesboro, tune to FM 101.9 and, of course, AM 1450. If you listen to 100.5 in Murfreesboro, you'll want to switch to 101.9 before January 1st, which is our 75th anniversary.
0: We're expanding our coverage area to ensure that all 624 square miles of the county are covered. WGNS the good neighbor network. Now an update from the WGNS radio.com news center.
3: I'm Ron Jordan. A Murfreesboro man who caused a fatal crash early Tuesday morning is facing multiple charges including driving while impaired. Prosecutors confirmed that 44-year-old Lamario Hunt is facing counts of vehicular homicide by intoxication, vehicular assault, and leaving the scene of an accident. Officials say Hunt crashed into a car on Old Hickory Boulevard in Nashville, killing 63-year-old Jeffrey Tenzera of Mount Juliet and severely injuring his passenger. Police say Hunt was driving at a high rate of speed on the shoulder, overcorrected, and entered the opposite lane of traffic before crashing into Tenzera's car. On the 25th birthday of the Murfreesboro Greenway, former Congressman Bart Gordon will serve as Grand Marshal of the Murfreesboro Christmas Parade. Gordon will lead the parade starting from Main Street at Middletown Tennessee State University on Sunday, December 12th, starting at 2 p.m. The parade ends at the courthouse on the historic square. During his 26 years as a U.S. Congressman, Gordon worked to secure more than $24 million in federal grants to plan and develop a Murfreesboro Greenway system. The Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association says it did not find evidence of a racial slur during a girls' basketball game. Nashville's STEAM Preparatory Academy said a white male referee clearly called a 14-year-old black girl a racial slur during a game against Smyrna High School last month. However, officials say after reviewing game tape, there's no evidence a slur was said by anyone. T-S-S-A-A Executive Director Bernard Childress said in a letter that as a black man, he's experienced systemic racism, but that in his nearly 30 years for the organization, he's never seen it within the
0: i I'm Ron Jordan reporting. The Good Neighbor Network, on air and online at WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's most trusted source for local news.
1: Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. Partial sunshine develops here this afternoon, high in the mid 60s. Southwest winds are on 5 to 15 miles per hour, at times gusting as high as 20. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujitsky on News Radio, WGNS. Currently, it's 46.
3: Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896 4100, or go see Popcorn pop fresh daily. Their movie hotline, 896 4100, or go see Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights.
0: From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. On FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.
2: And welcome, welcome back with Bill Kennedy. And uh, Bill, there there are so many ways that kids are taught. It's just not. Not just parents, although parents are, are I think are a major part of the things that have gone wrong. But uh, you played football for MTSU and uh well Boots was your <laughs> coach. Yeah, he was. And uh <laughs> They have they they have a a lot of uh, leeway where they can deal with the the <laughs> yeah. players. Yeah, he did. He did and, and, and you know I go back to the old uh, uh, Woody Hayes days. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do remember Woody Hayes yeah. when uh, he got mad at one of the opposing players and, and just <laughs> socked Socked him in the jaw. <laughs> yeah. I miss those days. I really do. But, but, you know, it, it's. Um, We react to things now a whole lot differently than we used to when Mm -hmm. people would get out of line a little bit or whatever. And I I guarantee you Woody's still considered a hero at Ohio State.
1: Well, I'll tell you a story, Truman. Coming from Pennsylvania, um, we weren't taught yes sir and no sir and yes ma'am and no ma'am in Pennsylvania. We just weren't ever taught that. It was yeah and nah. And we would that's how we would, we would respond to a question and that would yeah. be the appropriate response to a question up in pennsylvania well i had a rude awakening coming down to tennessee <laughs> um and it would and it, and I'm, I'm i am blessed to have had this experience yeah but um our, my coach coach five ash our, our defensive line yeah. coach at the yeah. time and i love him to death and and uh he was coaching us and my, he would ask for a response, and my response mm-hmm. to him would be, y- yeah, or nah, because <laughs> that's what the, the approach... Bad news. Bad, <laughs> mad mistake. Huge mistake. He was, he was from deep South Georgia. Yeah. And, and, and just the way, like what you, you were saying is that they had a lot of leeway back then. Mm-hmm. And he corrected me very sternly. He threw me to the ground and it, it, and and I took a wallop from him. You were a big guy. I, I was a big guy. And yeah. I was I was really strong back then. And uh, he threw me to the ground and beat the tar out of me. And he looked me in the face and said, "It's yes sir, and no sir, and nothing else. You mm-hmm. understand me?" I said, "Yes sir." <laughs> and he got up and he asked me another question. And of course, my response first was yeah and I said oh wait a minute I mean (laughs) yes sir (laughs) so I mean it it it, from that day forward it was always yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am and I taught my boys uh and all my wrestlers and every coach everybody I've ever coached since it's always yes sir no sir and so um that was a that was a learning experience for me and I'm glad for it
2: (laughs) you know I have always um I haven't always been a nice person, as you know. And and there have been times when going through school that I would have whippings. And I, I had a bunch of them going through school. But the thing about it that I remember the most is I had a great relationship with all of those teachers who showed me what mm-hmm. discipline is and why it occurs. Mm-hmm. And there is love from those teachers and the parents who discipline their children, they do that out of love and, and not out of uh, response just to hit a child or whatever. And uh, I think that most kids that had that type of relationship with teachers and and parents, I, I think they have a fonder um, um, I guess a love for those that will take the time and show them the correct way. Oh yeah, I, I and I love
1: Coach Fives to this day. He beat me. He beat the fire out of me, and I love him to death. I have a lot of respect for that man. And you know, to, to your point, you know, as a school resource officer, there was many a times where I unfortunately had to make an arrest, and I had to take someone to to juvenile detention, and mm-hmm. uh, and those young people are. I'm some of their biggest heroes. And because I set them on the straight and narrow is because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, oh, they're now in trouble. And oh, a a lot of attention is being brought to them and their parents. And there is many a times I have gotten, uh, I have seen uh, former students and their parents and come up to me and thank me for helping them Mm -hmm. with their behavior. And that, that happens more often than you think.
2: Isn't it funny how misinformation goes out to parents and they think that they cannot discipline their children in the way that we all used to? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it, it's almost like um, a, a type of deception, I, I guess you might say. Uh, we were trained on how to deal with those things with parents and give them the correct information except we were not trained to give them the correct information. Mm -hmm. We were given the political thoughts that were coming out at the time, and we had to call attention to them that the Tennessee annotated did not state what they thought was the way that parents should or should not be able to relate to their kids. And it, it seemed like it just never stopped.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and, and we were constantly having to relate back to the parents that the information that they were getting is not correct. That's right. And you still have had a right to discipline your children. That's correct, and, and you
1: know, to their defense is that they're scared to death, you yeah. know, because you know, one phone call to one agency, and all of a sudden, you're under investigation for, you know, child abuse, and but we didn't do that. No, at least back no, then. no, we didn't. But but yeah. some, you know, especially you know, you, you get like a, uh, let's say a, 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 a divorced. A divorce situation or a parent that's mm-hmm. going through a divorce. All of a sudden, one parent calls on the other parent because of a disciplined situation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And all of a sudden, that person's now under investigation from DCS or DHS or other uh, lo- local law enforcement. And come to find out it was a disciplined situation and it wasn't an, an abuse situation. But mm-hmm. you're right. You know, parents today, they're scared to death to make decisions um, that, in reference to uh, disciplining their child.
2: Yeah, um, law enforcement is the, in my opinion, uh, uh, there, there's other, in other professions that may disagree. I think it's the toughest job there is because you have to deal with so many, uh, different situations, uh, uh some life threatening, uh, um, you trying to protect the public and, and protect yourself. And, and a lot of times the, the media is out there, uh, um, misdirecting what is really happening and uh, but you, you you go home a lot of times and you're so stressed out people don't understand uh, being in a law enforcement officer's shoes uh, you're having to make so many decisions in, in a millisecond and, and you don't have time to sit back on uh, like a, a TV reporter and, and, and uh, uh, watch all of that that is happening. They, they don't know how to put what's happening with a law enforcement officer. They can't go in their place because um, maybe they have predetermined type thoughts on uh, what, what they need to report for a uh, particular situation. But um, I believe it or not, I was watching an old dragnet the other day <laughs> and, and they put it in, the, in the, the proper context when I was sitting there watching it because they were in, in investigating an officer who had just completely lost it. He, he was uh, under so much pressure that um, he was having a difficult time doing his job and he just. He'd go into a bar and just try to forget it all and things like that. Mm -hmm. Those things happen every day with law enforcement officers as far as trying to um, um, get through the day, do their job in a correct way, and and they're always under a microscope no matter what it is that's going on. And when you look at it, a law enforcement officer – is out there i respect them 100 percent they're going to make mistakes everybody makes mistakes but everybody is not judged the way a law enforcement officer is and i have seen some of these riots and things that's happening in these major cities where the real victims are the ones you you, you see a lot of it happening in projects and things like that where there's a great population and the real victims are the ones who live there. and They lock their doors at night, and then the bad guys come in and and they take advantage of them. But when law enforcement comes in and steps in, and they have to hurt some of some of these, um, I can't. I don't want to use a word. They're just, um, they're people who take advantage of other people. Mm-hmm and when the officer has to go in and do things while the media is sitting there looking at it, um, you never hear those people that are the victims come forward and say anything about, this officer was in there protecting us. Uh, you never hear any of that because they're so afraid. And uh, you, it, it's hard to get the right information out when you're an officer having to deal with the way the world is right now it's amazing but yet many of them stay Um, they want to go out there and do the right thing protect the public and and uh, make their lives a whole lot safer and a whole lot better and uh, i think people are starting to get a little bit of the message now that they need to go out and tell a law enforcement officer how much they appreciate what they do and Appreciate all the things that they um, have to go through just to be there and watching over us. I don't. I don't think it. it it's getting better. I think. Well, I agree. I, it's it. The to be a law enforcement officer today
1: is is a lot tougher than, of course, when I started. and Way tougher than when you started. Yeah. And um, you know, of course, for for better or for worse, the laws change. And that pendulum swings one way and the uh, and goes the other way. Is in, in reference to, you know, whether it's conservative or liberal or what have you, it, it, yeah. it swings both ways. But when you're out on that road and you're doing your job and 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 someone does recognize that you are doing a job for them, mm-hmm. that is rewarding. Uh, and you know, uh, when I was in Lebanon and and as a road officer, that you didn't get that as often as you. Th- you would as a, a school resource officer or yeah. an officer or a community re, a community officer because um, you you're dealing a lot with uh, the the people that you're about to take jail or yeah. or you're going to an event where somebody needs your help immediately yeah and so whereas you know a school resource officer or a, a community resource officer you know you're dealing with trying to help the community on a daily basis you're trying to prevent you're trying to um, be proactive, and you get a lot more uh, people who recognize, that, recognize you. But you're right, Truman, that you know we all need to thank those officers for the, the jobs they do day to day. Sometimes you never wish you have to have an officer come to your house, but that time that that officer does come to your house, you thank God that the, he's, he or she is there yeah. um, to, to protect you and prevent something from happening to you in your home. So, yeah, I, I just – Everybody out there, just if they could just take time to to thank a police officer, uh, it goes a long way. It
2: sure does. Yeah, you know, uh, one thing I've always found interesting back let's go back to Boots Donley. <laughs> um, every once in a while, we would have to arrest a, a, uh, mm-hmm. a football player, yeah. I say, because that was the ones he dealt with mostly. And uh, the first thing out of their mouth when they would come in would be please don't call coach. And, uh, of course I'd already had conversations with Bruce Dunley. And if something like that happened, I would call him and he would always come down. And that's when the roof would fall on whoever that particular, uh, player was. And it made a major difference in how they would respond to anything. And, uh, I, I can't say enough of, about people that are have been structured by an individual, where it's a parent or law enforcement, coaches. A lot of it's done by coaches. Mm-hmm. You can have uh, young people come from a, um, a home that uh, has no discipline, maybe has very little love in it, and I put those together. Uh, and you they become um, under a coach who has a reputation of strength and and structure and and those type things. It makes an entire difference in their lives. And I know you have seen it, uh, playing football not only here, but wrestling and football in Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. Uh, I don't know how we could get away from something that is so positive.
1: Well, let me tell you a story, Truman. There was was a offensive lineman and he was from Pennsylvania as well and he was humongous he was at the time he was bench pressing 500 pounds and squatting 600 pounds like with no problem whatsoever he was a, he was a preseason all-american mm-hmm. and he was an offensive guard and he was a beast of a man huge and one of the reasons we were so good at the time because we had offensive linemen like him and yeah. he, he was a starter he was a two-year starter and he decided that young man decided to go into a convenience store and steal a bag of peanut M and M's, and he got caught. And <laughs> and the very next day after he got caught stealing a pe- bag of peanut M and M's, he was on a plane back to Pennsylvania. Boots kicked him off the team. Mm. Boots, uh, he would tell you, he said, "You don't lie to me. You don't steal from you don't steal." And he said, "Either one of those, you're off this team." And he was. To his word, (laughs) that that young man was a preseason All-American offensive lineman. And the very next day, he was on a plane back to Pennsylvania. And that was discipline. And I guarantee you, none of us would ever consider stealing a bag of peanut M&Ms or anything else because of that event. That showed us that we would not uh, be dealt with like some of these athletes today and some of these other organizations where – they get away with a lot more than that. Boots Donnelly was a disciplinarian. He did not put up with anything.
2: There uh, has to be repercussions. There needs
1: to be, yeah, that's absolutely. Um, we had a great running back, Joe Campbell, who – amazing running back. And he had gotten in trouble his, his last year, and Boots kicked him off the team. And uh, <laughs> and we were like, we can't believe this. this is one of the best players we have. And Boots just did not put up with anything,
2: nothing. So he didn't play favoritism or anything with, no. with any of those players.
1: No, absolutely not. You know, that it doesn't did, matter.
2: Did you have any idea what happened to those two after that uh, happened?
1: Oh yeah, Joe Campbell's. I, I still keep in touch with him. He's he's doing wonderful. I, he's uh, he has some uh, a couple of children in Nashville. He's Good. doing great. Um, the gentleman and I his name was Bob. I forget his last name, but uh, um, I I the I do not keep up in touch with him. I have no idea what's going on with him. But uh, like I said, he never he long he never played football after that that event. And uh, mm-hmm. he he may have been big enough and strong enough to to go professional. I don't know, but he was really good. And so uh, I,
2: who knows? Would you have liked to have coached with uh, Boots? No. If you had <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if you had your choice again in redoing your life would you have been a coach i know you wanted to be a coach oh, yes, at one time yes yes or would you have gone the route that you have gone well you know i think god
1: has a plan for all of us truman and i think uh I, you know i i was put in specific situations in specific places for for specific reasons mm-hmm. and uh you know like when i went to lebanon i, I saved two people's lives um, uh, mm-hmm. giving them cpr and putting aeds on them and Getting a, you know was able to keep oxygen in them until they uh, until paramedics arrived and so mm-hmm. you know for some reason I, God put me in Lebanon and that was not a place that I thought I I would ever end up but um, so no I wouldn't change a thing you know I, I'm married to my most beautiful gorgeous wife Melissa and have taking care of kids again that's right taking care of kids again and then uh, you know I got to my two beautiful boys and she has five children that I love and grand- we all we have eight grandchildren and. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm coaching wrestling again. So no, I wouldn't change anything. I think, I think there is, you know, we're all put on this earth for a reason. and I, I think I'm living out the reason that, that that God put me here. So, but you're right. I, I really wanted to be a coach, you know, but you stole that from me. I just want to let you know, <laughs> and it, you know, you, you put me on the path of law enforcement and I don't regret that at all. So um, but I did love. You did a great job there too, and I appreciate that. But and, and uh, I did have an opportunity to coach a little bit at Oakland High School when I was a, when I was a school resource officer over there, and uh, uh, and then eventually was able to coach wrestling uh, um, for our sharpshooters program. And so, you know, I, I, I guess I got the best of all worlds. I got yeah. to be I got to be a police officer. I got to be a coach. I got to be a teacher. And I uh, I think I, that that path was perfect for me i wouldn't change a thing
2: who was head coach over at oakland when you uh, were well uh
1: coach also had just retired um Mm -hmm. from being you know he was a state championship coach yeah and then coach Hicklin, he came in after him and he was a wonderful man um and then after him was coach butler and then coach uverard coach uverard won a state championship Mm -hmm. over there as well and then after that um I don't know who came after directly after Coach Ufroyd. I don't know if it was uh, the current coach or not, but there, there may have been a coach in between him and uh, the, current, the current coach over there.
2: Let's see. Uh, coach Morton had already gone. Yeah, right? Coach Morton was gone before I got there. Thomas yeah. McDaniel. Thomas McDaniel. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> You're welcome. Brian knows all of the. He went yeah, to Christian Brothers the... in Memphis. Okay. Oh. Well, they are uh, going for another state championship. I know they beat it's Maryville. It's coming Saturday. Yeah,
1: the last time we were wrong, we were talking about it. Hey, wh- yeah. whether they could beat Maryville or not, and they—they they, oh, we they knew they were going to beat. They knocked Maryville. them off. I'm so proud of those kids. Uh,
2: yeah. First time in what 21, 20, 21 years that mm-hmm. someone's beat them in the playoffs at. Therefore, yeah. that makes a big difference. <laughs> it yeah.
1: really does. Yeah, I don't know how many games are determined by home field advantage and home field referees, but uh, uh, that's a hard place to win.
0: Well,
2: it seemed like Oakland doesn't have well, it was a tough game. It really mm-hmm. was. It wasn't a gimme game. No. But uh, in the second half, um, I, I, I don't think Maryville could do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just completely stopped them. As far as uh, defensively, uh, Maribel couldn't do anything, which was uh, the coaching at, at uh, Oakland is really outstanding. Oh, And they yeah. have some great, great athletes.
1: They have and they've always had amazing athletes. And, uh, you know, Rutherford County has amazing athletes think about go back 20 years and how many times Rutherford County has been in the finals whether it be Riverdale or Oakland or Smyrna yeah uh, think about all the all the time or Blackman now Blackman and all the times that Rutherford County has been in the finals uh, over the last 20 years I I would say it's at least half of the time
3: I can tell uh, you because I did all that research before we went to Maryville which hadn't lost at home since 1999 until Oakland beat them But uh, Rutherford County has had a team in the semifinals or the championship game 27 out of the last 28 years and 24 years in a row.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. That is amazing. Think about the athletes that have come out of Rutherford County. I mean, it is unbelievable. And baseball as well. Think about all the great athletes that have come out of Rutherford County. This is a haven for athletics. Uh, It
2: just truly is. Uh, Coach Heifel at UT, if you're listening, <laughs> come down and spend about two months down here yeah. and, uh, while you're recruiting. Yeah. I mean, there's you a championship right there. Oh, I know. You know, you, they, it's funny
1: that they want to go get these five and four-star athletes from all over the nation when you got some of the ma- most amazing athletes right here in your backyard. You really. get
2: – But you got teams like Georgia and all, mm. all, uh, all these others. They they're camping out here now. Mm-hmm. That's it, right. it, It's amazing what we've got here, and it's. And it, um, I I think, of course, you know I'm a UT fan, big UT fan. I think that they're gonna spend more time here, and maybe turning around some of these athletes because. Um, we, a lot of kids want to play in their home state. Oh, they sure do. And it, and it makes a big difference. I mean, you look at um, LSU and, and uh, teams like that, They get most of their recruiting comes from their home state mm-hmm. itself. And then you've got Texas, which is one of the, the biggest schools as far as when it comes to football. And, and um, these major, um, like um, – Alabama, I hate to even say that word, but but, but Georgia and, and, and those great SEC schools, um, they're in strong competition with in their state and outside their state. You look at uh, all these great SEC players, and most of them come from the southeast. It, it, it's amazing how much talent. You know where Tennessee used to be real strong recruiting? pennsylvania oh i know you,
0: you know at why
2: one time <laughs> pennsylvania was that's right their main state to go to
0: that's
1: right western pennsylvania was a, a huge uh export of athletes at one time yeah. and uh and Johnny Majors, of course, Johnny Majors coached up there and got a national championship up there, up there at
2: Pitt. Yeah, but that's after he <laughs> left here. You know how that was. Bless your heart. Uh, <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Majors was a great. But you know, uh, Tennessee started singing when Johnny comes marching home again yeah. when he came back when he here. Came back, and, that's right. Great coach. A but,
1: great coach. And, you know, and, and Phil Farmer was a great coach as well. But I, yes it was Johnny. Was. I believe it was Johnny Majors driving that driving that train too, feel he former. was a great recruiter yeah. yes. he
2: really was mm-hmm. and he, he uh, people don't realize what a great athlete he was because mm-hmm. when when uh, uh they should have won a national championship but uh one of them dropped the ball and uh, <laughs> and and they would have been undefeated uh for all 11 games when, when they played the bowl game so um Gosh, those are great memories. Mm-hmm. I wish we still had our announcer, John Ward. Oh, yeah. When he was calling the game, I never would watch the game. I would listen to him because it was a whole lot more fun and interesting to listen to him. It makes a difference when yeah. you're. Well, you
1: don't remember this, Truman, but the first UT game I ever went to was with you. <laughs> <laughs> and you took me up to the ball walk. And I had yeah. no idea what the ball walk was until I was up there. I was like, "Wow, it was
2: amazing!" Wasn't it, it
1: was amazing, and then you cram a hundred eight thousand people into that stadium. That was an amazing experience. Uh, so the atmosphere
2: right. is entirely different when you, oh, when yeah. you have things like mm-hmm.
1: that.
2: And uh, I can't remember who did we play that. Oh, I don't remember that. I, oh. I have no idea who we you played. Said, you didn't go with us to the Notre Dame dame. Notre Dame game. I
1: don't. I don't remember who the who who it was that we went out to see. We we went out to several games together, but uh, yeah. the very first one was with that I went up there was with with you,
2: yeah. and
1: I think um, a couple other guys from the sheriff's office at the time. But that was a huge experience. I've never been to a a stadium that full, that big, and I mean it was it was a great experience.
2: What do you think about all this stuff where they're going want to have players make money? All oh, love stuff it. <laughs> I See, love i it. don't i love i it, like man. the purity of sports, I really do it's and I fair. know people get tired of me saying that, but i i just uh um i, I it, it's just like when I used to go watch the Little League games my kids play yeah. and and then going all the way up, and you have a better relationship and you uh well Truman, you, when, Let when just when you can pay of course, of course you like uh wrestling. Yeah, and 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 you, you, you would get so fired up when you were coaching wrestling here. It, it uh, I would get worried about the uh, poor kids. I oh, mean. I'm so tired of that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. Yeah, uh, but
1: but you know when you can pay a coach 95 million dollars to go to LSU. They, that's what the code, new coach. That's over a long period of time. That's over ten years. Yeah, but but nonetheless, ninety five million dollars. Oh, I and agree.
2: It's it's obscene. But
1: it's right, and these poor kids who are making all that money for this coach, mm-hmm. are not getting a dime, not a penny. Now you say, well, they're getting a scholarship. Oh, I
2: agree. That's Where's that money coming from? Well, it's coming from ticket sales and everything else. Yeah, and but but what's driving the money up is television i agree that that and in uh and the people they, it started in the pros and the, i know i used to watch uh, the believe and not the cleveland browns play <laughs> yeah. back in the night early uh, late 1940s early 1950s on yeah. television those are
1: fighting words right there
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason i brought it up yeah otto Graham was the quarterback mm-hmm. I, was, I i there not many people jim brown came later oh, great yeah. great uh, athlete but uh why um i i I don't understand why people get so just espn Mm -hmm. that is it's terrible i can't watch a game that they're calling it just drives me nuts because they they don't focus on the game itself Mm -hmm. you got some uh, gorgeous lady over there interviewing somebody (laughs) all over the place yeah I really like, uh, and I don't know if you've seen it or not, but the
1: um, Peyton Manning and his brother Eli are, are – I, I, have an ESPN. I don't see it. Well, it's ESPN 2, and so I don't even watch – I don't yeah. watch a Monday night Bunch game. Much as I
2: love Peyton Manning, I won't watch it. But it's fun to watch because it
1: is hilarious. They yeah. really do a good job. And they really – it's coming from a perspective of a quarterback that's a really good – you know, one of the best quarterbacks that I've ever played the game. So that was game. Peyton. That wasn't hey, Eli.
2: Well, Eli does a pretty good job, He was all right. (laughs) (laughs) But But you know, their dad, their mom and dad are two of the best parents that's ever been made. I mean, they were unbelievable. And they would let their kids make the the decision as far as going to which university Mm -hmm. and things like that. And he was even getting hate mail. Uh, uh, Archie was. It was unbelievable Mm -hmm. how the mississippi people treated him well, when you know they decided that
1: they have a nephew now peyton has a nephew now that's trying to go to college or he's going to go to college and I, I don't know whether he chose yet or not uh the deadline's coming up on where he has that's going to gonna be him. interesting they say he's really yeah. good they're saying that he's the next peyton so <laughs> i'm it, that would be hard to it'd be hard to follow in his shoes it I mean, but but none of
2: them will make a decision for him. He's going to make yeah. it himself. I, well, I agree. I'm sure he's getting pressure from everybody, though. <laughs> yeah did, did you get pressure from any of the schools in Pennsylvania yeah, when you I had, came here? I had
1: several schools in Pennsylvania I could have gone to. I could have wrestled at Pitt. That mm-hmm. you know, if I'd known now what I know what, known then what I know now, I probably should have pursued wrestling. I, I probably would have done better in wrestling. But I wanted to play pro football. I, that yeah. was my goal. That that's where I wanted to go and mtsu gave me the best opportunity to do that you mm-hmm. know when i came down here for my visit and i told you about uh doc's introduction uh to Doc mtsu yeah. but they also had several people that had just gone pro like uh, dwight stone who mm-hmm. who's playing who played for the steelers for five years yeah and and he was you know he ran a 4 and i'm thinking man you know this gives me probably the best opportunity to get to the pros and so that's why that's one of the reasons why I came to MSU. Other than it's just an amazing uh, school, and it's just uh, the people here in Rutherford County, Murfreesboro, are just amazing people. So that's what kind of guided me here.
2: Yeah, but they went for intellectuals like uh, the quarterback. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, Terry's, you know. His his IQ had to been one hundred and sixty or something <laughs> like that. Unbelievable. Uh, Pittsburgh did have a great, great past, didn't it? They, they oh, were really good at one time. Oh, it, growing up in the
1: seventies and early uh, in the eighties was amazing in Pennsylvania because yeah. that you know that's all we did was win. We won everything. We won in uh, in uh, football. We ran. We won in hockey. We won in baseball up until. Like '81, then after
2: '81, the only team I ever remember they had was 1960, (laughs) and that was a, they were lucky. Uh, We won the we won the real Series in
1: '79. That was the last time, and that's I was 10 years old at the time. So that was a great era to have grown up in Pennsylvania. So that that was fun.
2: I'm sure that you had. Your dad probably took you to some games. Oh, yeah. We
1: went to a lot of Pirates games. Yeah. yeah. couldn't afford. We could not afford Steeler games. Yeah, we were poor. So we, we could go to a Pirates game and go up in the upper decks and watch them from there, and that was so much fun.
0: That Isn't was, that
2: the best feeling in the world to go yeah. with your dad? Yeah. When your dad loves you enough <laughs> to take you in there and show you something special. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember those days. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to take my dad to watch the Cardinals for the very first time he ever got to see them. And he was a Cardinal fan his whole life, and it was just like he was a young kid that just went in a candy factory. He was looking all over the place, and and uh, it, it uh, brought back a lot of memories to him. Well, it-
1: I tried to take my dad to a Steelers game. You know, after I was making money and would would go home uh, for the holidays, and I said, "Dad, let's go to a Steelers game." He says, "No way, I'm not going to the Steelers game. I'd rather watch it here on this TV and drink my Iron City beer and just sit here and watch it on my television." I was like, "Please, let's just go to a Steelers game." <laughs> he would not. He would not let me take him to a Steelers game.
2: Now, what kind of beer did your dad drink? Iron City beer. Iron City. <laughs> That's right. I've never heard of it. Oh, yeah. It's huge popular up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see, that's what I think of when I think of Pittsburgh. I think of them having the, uh, all the older guys like me would go in and that's order right. a beer and that's sit right. down and talk sports and that's exactly all that other like. stuff. That's that's, that's the, why he would not
1: move here, would not he? That's exactly why. My sister came down for Thanksgiving, and that's another reason why she won't move down here is because it's a different environment. You, your friends or family up there you go yeah. to a local pub and there's a lot of them yeah. and you sit around a a bar and you just talk shop you talk about the steelers you talk about the pirates talk about the penguins you talk about what's going on in pittsburgh and that's you know that's your meeting hall that's where they go in fact <laughs> there was this one time i was going up there to get a prisoner
2: mm-hmm.
1: and because um, uh, as a deputy we would go up there and those who ran off and didn't go to court i was going out there to get a prisoner and i had taken um steve spence with me and we went into a local bar and sure enough next in the in the next little area meeting area was a church group (laughs) and this was in a little little local pub There was a church church group like ladies that were just sitting there having a little church get together which is you know what were they
2: drinking the church group
1: uh, you know whatever the whatever choice of drink that they were drinking <laughs> but sure enough they that's a that's another big difference between the north- uh pittsburgh and here in Tennessee is you would not see that here. <laughs> I can't even imagine. That. Yeah, that that and I was, I was th- I told Steve I said look that's a church group right
2: there in, But in I don't want to be judgmental of them. We're not <laughs> no, supposed to be judgmental. No, and they were they were doing something that they enjoyed. That's, right. that's exactly right. So that's the, yeah. that's the difference, and that's
1: another. You're right. That's the reason. Another reason my dad and my sister does does they love coming and visiting here, but they don't have the camaraderie here that they would have
2: there. Yeah, I was hoping your dad
1: would would move here. Oh, me too. Uh yeah. And there at the end, when he was uh, uh, about to go, uh, he said, Bill, I, I just made a huge mistake. I should have came down to Tennessee with you and watched your boys grow up playing yeah. football and baseball and wrestling. And he would have enjoyed that so much. Uh, that's That truly broke my heart is that he had that again and he had an opportunity to come down here and and, and be a part of their lives. And he, he just wouldn't do it. So,
2: I guess in, in one way, I'm kind of glad he didn't because – he couldn't have seen you uh, disciplining Sean while he was wrestling, and bless his heart, making Sean cry. Well, well it's, but, but Sean won an, a, a a number of titles while. Oh he yeah,
1: was wrestling. he was a two-time state champion. He's a national champion, an All-American, had scholarships. Same with Michael. Both of yeah. them just amazing wrestlers. Now, just a little update on my little wrestling group that I got out there at Plainview. Mm-hmm. Um, Walker. Uh, who i who i was coaching last year who's the only one i was coaching last year um he finally he's finally getting over that little crying stage yes mm-hmm. yesterday at practice he started picking the bigger boys to go after and he was doing really well against them yeah. and it, even when the bigger boy would get him down he wouldn't cry so we have mm-hmm. we have gone to a new level with walker and today is walker's birthday by the way
2: oh really yeah happy today. birthday Walker. yeah he
1: is six years old today oh my goodness bless yeah. his heart yeah. I'm going to go take him and his brother, uh, Ritter, to go get a haircut this afternoon. Oh, good. So I'm, exci- I'm excited about that. <laughs>
2: um, I want to say uh, happy birthday to Beth Dodson oh. and hi to Greg Dodson. Mm-hmm. And I got to see him this morning. Of course, uh, that's Guy Dodson's son. And he, got, he used to work with us. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, he, he, he seems to be doing really, really well. And he came over to... Uh, Sylvan Park this morning, and I didn't. Somebody kept hitting me on the back, and I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't relate, and I finally found out that it was uh, uh, Greg. And I talked to him for probably thirty to forty-five minutes, and uh, I am so happy to see him and see him doing well. And uh, well, you know, Greg Dodson was the whole reason I came to the sheriff's office.
1: Wow. Yeah, Greg Dodson. I was working at a local pub here in in. Uh,
2: of course you're from Pittsburgh you're working in a pub
1: (laughs) well I had just finished playing football and I was married and I was getting I was going through my student teaching and uh, I was trying to graduate and I needed a job so but they were doing things that they shouldn't be doing in in that bar and I said Greg you know I want to be a teacher and coach I can't work here what you have someplace that uh, that and he he got me on at the sheriff's office as a detention officer so Greg Dawson is the whole reason I started at the sheriff's office true story
2: well, your coach is the one that recommended you.
1: Well, but I I would not have even known about that job or had even gone to try to get that job if it yeah. had not been for Greg. Thompson. And
2: that made a difference because whatever uh, Greg thought about the ability of somebody wanting to work down there, it, I would have uh, listened to him. Mm-hmm. I really would have because Greg is such a super. Uh, yeah. I started to call him a young man, but... <laughs> he's only young to me i yeah, guess yeah we're a little, all a little older now yeah yeah but those are good times great yeah, memories
1: oh yeah great memories i love when you told me this morning that you had seen greg that that's the first thing that popped into my head is he's yeah. the reason he was the whole reason i got on with the sheriff's office
2: yeah that was such a great family mm-hmm. all right
0: guys we will see you in the morning at nine from NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSradio.com.